everybody. Welcome to the Philly Sports Convo. This is my podcast where I get to talk the biggest names in Philly sports. And my guest today is one of the hardest working guys out there. He's got the Farsi Show weekday mornings. The Jacob Media Eagles postgame, I'm sorry, pregame show. The Phillies postgame show. He does so much, I lose track. And uh, greatest sports legends then and now. It is a pleasure oh, wow. to welcome back Mark Farzetta. Mark, good to see you, my friend. Did I forget anything? You do so much. What what, what did I miss? Uh, uh, let's see. Saturday nights, I park cars at Ritz-Carlton. Uh, <laughs> Thursday nights, uh, I'm at the Acme in uh, one of the Acme Delcos. I'm around there just hanging around. And uh, let's see. So Friday nights, I chaperone dances. That's one of the other three jobs that I have. So those see, are the other things. Other than that, you got it all. See, I, I love that. Actually, no, I, I miss. Are you still doing PA from the wings? I am still doing the PA. Yes, I am looking forward to what will be my third season with the Philadelphia Wings this upcoming Wings season. Yes, nothing, there's nothing like a Wings game. Come on out. No bad seats in the house. Those, uh, those games get pretty intense, I hear. Oh, it's. I describe it as, because a lot of us didn't grow up playing lacrosse but people are the big sports fans i always describe it as rock and roll hockey like that's the best way i can describe it to people and it is an absolute party they got the party zone uh behind the net as well it's a great time for all of philadelphia to come out and have themselves a great time and you get to hear mark farzetta which is cool. bonus bonus all right absolutely there's just so much i want to get to in the next half hour or so but uh, you know i can't have you here without talking sports so and we're still kind of smarting from the Phillies. Give me your take. I mean, do you call it a successful year? What do they have to do maybe to get over the hump next year? What do you think? No, it's I'm very strict with the successful year thing. I mean, every team, yes, there's you go to the Giannis Antetokounmpo measure of success, of course, which is talking about every season is building to the championship. Not every season can be a championship. Right. So although there are successes, and some people might call them moral victories, I don't necessarily look at the season as a whole as a success. And I'll say this much, for the huge slump that... The last... Yes, the was over. And I thought the best soundbite came from Nick Castellanos after the Phillies lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks, which was, no, this is disappointing. This one stings more than anything because the bar was getting to the World Series. The bar wasn't making the playoffs. The bar wasn't winning a wild card. The bar wasn't making it to the NLCS. The bar was where you left off from last year, which was making it to World Series, but losing the World Series. So the only acceptable outcome was winning the World Series. Last year was supposed to be something that this Phillies team built off of. And in a lot of ways, agreed. Nick Nick Cassianos made it back to a world uh, excuse me, made it back to an all-star game. That was great to see him for the way that he played in the first half of the season and coming up with big numbers uh, unlike he did a year ago. That was great, but the way it ended, it was awful. It was a regression to we saw last year. It was a regression to the Trey Turner that we saw in his early goings of being a Philly earlier on in this season. It was a regression to the Aaron Nola that we saw for the vast majority of the season, not the Aaron Nola that we saw for six out of the last seven starts. We saw him make in a Phillies uniform over the course of uh, the end of September and the playoffs. So that's what sticks and that's what stinks the most. With the way the season ended for the Phillies. All right, let me ask you this, because you, you're a lifelong Phillies fan just like I am. Is this the worst loss you can remember? A lot of people are comparing it to 2011, but the Cardinals were a good team back then. Diamondbacks were just over 500. To me, this is the worst loss yeah. I can remember. 
it's it's not for me simply because the Phillies bottom line were still a wild card team and mm-hmm. they lost to another wild card team and in route to doing so they beat one of the best team in baseball in the okay. Atlanta Braves well, and yeah. they did that again good point they they absolutely <clears throat> they, they absolutely they they absolutely choked I will say this they absolutely choked against the Diamondbacks no debate no no debate about that uh, but in 2011, the craziest thing about that was that you saw Ryan Howard hobble down the first baseline. You, you, you saw in the previous year, he struck out uh, on Brian Wilson's backdoor slider. And then at the end of the following season, he goes down to the Cardinals, a team at the Phillies. I still argue this point all the time. The Phillies <laughs> let the hottest team in I know baseball what you're, yeah, yeah, into right. the playoffs <laughs> by beating the Braves. Ah! Uh, so it yeah, always goes back to the Braves, play. doesn't it? It always, it always comes back. They had to get 102 wins in the season. They right. had to get Charlie the record, and I love Charlie Manuel, and they had to get the franchise record, and that group should have gotten the franchise record for all-time wins in the season. Great. But you let the hottest team in baseball in, and that ended up turning around and biting, in the, biting you in the old behind. And then the way it ended with Ryan Howard going down and uh, rupturing his Achilles, you knew that it wasn't just is also going to bleed into the following season. Yep, that's right. Whether or not Ryan Howard was going to be healthy enough to start that year. So that far for me outweighs what you saw. Plus, you also had the starting pitching. Oh, no, no. I'm already down enough, Jason. I'm, I'm opening up a can of worms. Going to the way back machine. Worms are all over the place now. All right, wh- one more sports question. Then we'll then we'll get to we'll get to life. We'll get to career. We'll get to all that stuff. James sure, Harden. Sure. As we record this, it's just uh, just after he gets traded to the Clippers. Uh, good riddance? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Abso- absolutely good riddance. I am so glad it's over, and I'm so glad that this creates a whole bunch of room for Tyrese Maxey to grow. Yep. The best acquisition. Everything that, the, that that was said that the Sixers got in return, whether it's the fifty to sixty-five million dollars in cap space going mm-hmm. into next free agency period, if the if the Sixers stay where they are right now, uh, getting back a guy like or getting a guy back in Philadelphia like Marcus Morris, who of course has that chip on his shoulder, has that grit, of course, here in Philadelphia, and, I, and everyone loves that about him. Uh, adding to the bench with a guy like KJ Martin, of course, when you already have a guy coming off the bench like Kelly Oubre, all that stuff is great. But the thing that's, oh, the picks, of course, how do you leave out the first round picks? That's great. Second round picks, that's great too. But the best part about this that's not listed in terms of acquisitions is the room you acquired for Tyrese Maxey to grow. Because I said before the season, here's my checklist for my top, top five things I want to see from this year. And two of them, I think, are have either happened or they're well on their way. Mm-hmm. One is that James Harden was traded. It's the most obvious one that could be on that list. And then two is that Tyrese Maxey grows into an all-star. Here we are a week into the season and Tyrese Maxey has already become the uh, the uh, the, uh, the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So yep. he's off to a great start, shooting 58% from beyond the arc. He's off to a great start, averaging 32 points a game. He's well on his way to becoming an all-star. If, if those things take place in this season, then I'll look back on this season at the end of the year and say they gave us some great things. Hopefully they make it out of the second round. I still don't think they do, but they have something to build on for the future. Unfortunately, I agree with that. I still don't think they do either. But th- this this is why the Farsi yeah, show is so good. This is just a small example of what people get every morning. And it's uh, YouTube. How can people get that? YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook Live, uh, all that good stuff. Clips on the old Instagram as well. Yeah, that's where people can uh, consume the content, my friend. Now, I, I thought of you uh, earlier today. Uh, we were talking off the air. You mentioned you went to Archbishop Wood High School in Warminster. You remember the restaurant right next to Wood? Oh, don't. Oh, just, what is it, just bringing up a slew of things to depress me. Also, that, so you, you heard about this. 
Then how do I how do you how do I not hear about it? I mean Perkins. I, I mean, Perkins. Let's see, let's, all right, top top three people to feed me in high school. Uh, <laughs> my mom, my aunt Angie, and Perkins. Okay, even more so than Archbishop Woods Cafeteria itself. Every high school dance, you have the soft hop, the freshman formal, everything. You mosey on over to Perkins. They look at you. They see the riffraff coming in from Archbishop Wood. They roll their eyes because I know they're not getting a big tip. Even though I made sure I gave a big tip. I know how to tip. Thank You're you, a good Joe man. Forrest, out of my You're... dad, a great, a great example. Uh, but they, they're always happy to see me walk in there. But as far as it's eh, not so much. Um, but, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I, I'm with you. Machine in the in the in the – in the what the boy the Beverdeck? yeah it was it's ridiculous i'm heartbroken that perkins is closed in warminster so you know i so i grew up in this area i still live i, I just live down the road from warminster and warwick township i grew up down the road from warminster the other way in southampton so when i'm like 18 19 20 21 years old in the summertime my buddies and i would literally go to perkins every single night i had i i had four meals a day mark breakfast lunch dinner and perkins which kind of explains a lot what, do, do you remember, remember what your go-to was? For me, it was the Supreme Burger. It was a cheeseburger with bacon and oh, barbecue sauce. That was that was a big one. I was a big fan of their milkshakes. Those okay. were they had a really good vanilla bean uh, milkshake that was was top notch. The burger was a solid one, and then the pan the uh, the pancakes. If you decided to go breakfast for dinner, yeah. which was on occasion on a tight budget, that was the way to do it. So love breakfast uh, for five, dinner. It was a five, there are five stack pancakes with a side of bacon. Oh, oof! And and it ah, it it just happens sudden. It, if you you know read articles about it, they serve breakfast in the morning, and then boom, by lunchtime it was closed. It just like that. <laughs> I mean, I, that, I and then oh, there, grilled cheese, grilled cheese. How dare cheese. I forget? They had a grill. They had a grilled cheese sandwich that was perfection. I I, I thought that place would be there forever. All right, I, I want to talk about your career. You know, you've done so much in broadcasting. You know, I, a lot of us who, who get into this business, Mark, I don't know if it was this way with you, it was this way with me. I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster pretty much from the time I could talk. Was it, was it the same for you? Yes. I, uh, I would definitely make the tapes as a kid of either real baseball games or make-believe baseball games where I just yeah. wanted to hear my voice on the recorder. But <laughs> for me, that was always just fun. I never thought about it as a career. This is going to sound so lame, but like, I never thought, I never thought about it as a career until I was like 11. I know that's not exactly <laughs> late in the game, but, but I, early, I, yeah. I feel like when, when you're, yeah, I feel like when you're a kid and you're around 10 or 11, I don't know. I don't know how it is for, for the ladies, for the girls and stuff, but for the boys, I feel like we look around the, the, the roster of any team we're on baseball, basketball, whatever the case may be. And we go, all right, that kid's a lot better than me. That kid's a lot better than me. That kid's I'm like the seventh best player <laughs> on this. I'm not going to be the center for the basket for the, for the 76ers. Maybe I'm not going to be the catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Maybe that's not going to work out to my point, but I knew I loved sports. I knew I loved being around it. I knew I loved talking about it. Yeah. I never wanted a real job. I do not have the attention span for a nine to five. I've tried. It's <laughs> not good. Uh, so I, I knew I always wanted to be around the game and I always loved to perform. So it felt, it felt like the best possible thing. And there was other careers that, you know, I thought about. Um, but for me, it was just, no, I was just gonna, I was gonna, I wanted to get paid to talk about sports into a microphone and it's worked out. It's been such an awesome, fun ride, man. I'm proud to say I'm, I'm still able to do it. It It is more than worked out. And I remember your early days at WIP and I don't know if you remember this story. 
I think it was your very first update shift. So I was doing updates every Saturday night. You were producing. You actually, you know, actually, let me get let me get to this first. One of the things okay. that really impressed me about you, okay, I'm there doing updates on weekends, and I uh, occasionally I would fill in during the week. They had an update shift from 11 a.m. to like 7 p.m. I guess. So you're on during the midday show. You're on during Howard Eskin's afternoon show. You produced for Eskin at the time, but mm-hmm. you also worked with the morning show. So I, I'm talking to you in the hall one day, and what I, I said. I commented about how long your day was. Like, how do you do it? You, you you wake up in the middle of the night to work with the morning show, but then you're back here in the afternoon working until 7 o'clock at night. That's a long day. And you said to me, and I'm paraphrasing, but you said, yeah, yeah, I wake up in the morning. I work with Angelo and the morning team. I go on. I have a great lunch in South Philly. I come back, and I work with Howard Eskin. And I said, I said, it's a long, I said, it's a long day. And you said to me, yeah, but it's a great day. And I never forgot that, but because <laughs> Mark, that in a nutshell encapsulates your work ethic. Uh, that is so funny that you remember that I would go to lunch on Ninth Street. Uh, I would hit one of the sandwich shops on Ninth Street, and I'd grab you know, I'd grab a nice lunch. I I would often go back and pass out of my car for like an hour in the <laughs> third, in the lowest level of the parking lot at Two Balla Plaza at two Balla. in Balla. It, it was covered. Yeah, I would, it was covered. Yeah. It was covered. It was the third. It was it was all it was like in the basement level of yes. ballot of two ballot plaza. And I would sleep in my car for like an hour. Uh, literally, I had a Honda Civic where the seats folded down so that you could lay your head in the trunk and put your feet over the back seat. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, that's amazing. I, that was, it was a bed. I had a blanket, <laughs> I had a blanket, I had a pillow, I set my alarm on my flip phone. And I do remember that conversation. And yes, I would between shows, a lot of times go down 9th Street, get a sandwich, I'd come back pass out and go do Howard Eskin's show. And I, one thing I remember about you is you were the first update person I ever saw wear a button-down shirt. God bless you. Everyone else in the T-shirt and the jeans, you came in in your Sunday best, baby, ready to crank out some updates. Well, you know what? The, the button-down shirt was one of the few looks that actually looked good on me back then, so that's, that's why, that's why I, would, <laughs> I would wear it all the time. No, but, but the story I wanted to tell you. Gotcha. So I believe this was either your first or second update shift. So I, I did updates every Saturday night, 6 to midnight. And I think you may have actually been filling in for me because I couldn't work. And back in the day, um, you know, it's not like now where you read a computer screen. We would print out our script, like a hard copy, like paper. we print out paper, walk into the little update booth, and read it on the air. And you called me up and said that the printer wasn't working in the newsroom. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I, I I blacked out for most of my first couple update shifts. Uh, but I do remember that because I remember uh, one or the other. It was either my first or second I called you. The other I had to call Steve Trevelisse. Trev had to call him. It was like one of those situations of Murphy's Law. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. The printer was out of ink. The copier, because you had to make a packet for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, that, went, that ran out of like toner on me a couple times. Right, okay. It was all this stupid like office stuff. And then, like, the certain, but I would go to fire a clip, and the either the wrong clip was in there, or I missed, I hit the wrong button. It was because there was a, a a thing back in the day, Jason. If you remember this, yeah, I'm sure you do. There was the beginning where you, it had the song. It was like you know, um, it was oh yeah, know, it was news like, update song. It was yeah, like, the da, 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 right? <laughs> exactly. Oh man, that is heart palpitations. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so then I, I then I would talk. And then you talk and then you would hit a clip. But sometimes if you had more than one clip, like a soundbite of like Andy Reid talking or whatever, 
you would you would hit the button and then sometimes it would trigger the outro uh, the the the, like the jingle second jingle that, yeah. takes, that takes you to commercial yeah it would be like i'd be like and andy reed said he was upset and it would cut to andy reed said uh, wip and i'm like no i wasn't done i didn't even do the weather yet that, that happened um, to me that happened so, to me so many times <laughs> exactly it was like why do you have to just separate the buttons um but yeah no i remember calling you and you were so cool and you're like mark just i don't i don't know where they keep the the ink I think it's in this thing. Go check that thing. And I checked the thing and it was there. So can, I, can I, I think can I, I was able to eventually figure it out. Can I, you, know what, you know what I remember about that? So you call me and I, was, I was, wasn't really much help whatsoever. I hang up and I said to my wife, I'm like, okay. oh my God, I feel so bad for that guy. It's his first shift and nothing's going right. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but look at you now, man. Look at you now. I mean, you, you, radio, television, podcasting. I, you've come a long way, my friend. Deservedly so, may I add. Thank you. Well, you know, it's funny to go. The thing about being a great day, um, I I credit. I got such. I do. I love my family. They're incredible. Um, my grandfather in World War II, his ship was torpedoed uh, by the Japanese in the Pacific Ocean. Right. Okay. Like he would bring that up as we were kids growing up. I got a lot of cousins and stuff. And huge family. And uh, he would bring that up. So it was like everything, it, every, if he gave me anything in life, it was a perspective. It was, a, I, I, I value the perspective my grandmother and grandfather gave me and my cousins and my brother and everybody. Just because it was like, dude, you just spent a day working in radio, which is what you always wanted to do. You spend a day talking about sports, which is what you always wanted to do. That perspective is, I hope stays with me uh, till it's all over for me. That is, that's the only way to look at it. And I don't think, I don't feel like enough people think about perspective it's the old quote was it Teddy Roosevelt comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, for me, I, I, like I think that. that is a very important thing. And in this day and age with so much social media, if you're happy, you're happy. If you're enjoying it, you're enjoying it. If you're doing what you love to do, then you should be happy. So for me, it was a great day. It's still great days. And I'm blessed to have a lot of great days. Well, I, I always gave you credit because yeah, it's, it, it's a great day, but it's a, it's a long day. And, <laughs> and listen, you and I are still, still doing long days uh, here all, all these years later, but you're right. And I tell my kids this all the time, you know, as corny as it sounds, if you, if you find something you love, if you can, if you can get paid for your passion, you're not working. And that's, that's what we've been doing, I and mean, we've been very lucky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I, want, I want to ask you about something else. Uh, for a long time, you worked on the crew of Sunday Night Football on NBC, and I'm curious, do you have, any, do you have a, one or two good John Madden stories you can share? Because you worked with him, right? Because it was Al Michaels and I John did. Madden originally, right? I mean, the, guy, the guy's a legend. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me a, a Madden yeah. story or two. My first, so my... My first season traveling with Sunday Night Football was John Madden's last. And he had this thing okay. called, he had the horse trailer. This is back when he had the horse trailer player of the game. So long story short, I end up being the horse trailer guy. Now I had a job <laughs> okay. during the game. So I had to, so I had a job during the game working with the replay team where basically I helped together hodges where all I had to do was watch the game, log the game, and then the replay producer would say, you know, Mark, give me the best five dynasty plays where Donovan escaped from the pocket. And I'd write it down. I'd write down the time codes for it, and I'd hand it to him, and then they'd take my numbers and what I determined to be their his best plays, and they'd take, like, the three best ones and use it in a highlight package. So then after the game, I'd have to scurry out to the, um, the horse trailer, and I'd have to f- go through a... 
it was like 120 names, 120 photos, because one of those guys was going to be the horse tra- trailer player of the game. And it was all John Madden saying, and I'd have John Madden in my headset, and I would have to run out to the trailer, go through the things, and John Madden would say something like, oh, I think, you know, Donovan McNabb is the, the, the horse trailer player of the game. And I'd have to fumble through it, find Donovan McNabb, go up, and then tape okay. it, and then put it, put it on the, the side of the trailer. So anyway, I did this for the whole season, and I thought, what a great way to get in with John Madden. This is going to be awesome. So I don't meet him. I never met him. I was in his presence, but I never met him until the Super Bowl. Okay. And at the and at the Super Bowl, which was the Santonio Holmes corner of the end zone touchdown, uh, uh, Steelers Cardinals Got in it. Tampa. Okay. I I see John Madden and Al Michaels, and I think they were smoking cigars in the back of the uh, the office truck, whatever. So I go up, and just as I'm going up, John Madden walks away, but Al <laughs> Michaels is right there. And I'm like, I always wanted to meet Al Michaels. So I put my hand out. I say, hey, I'm Mr. Michaels. I'm Mark Farzetta. I work on the crew, whatever. And he's like, oh, Mark, nice to meet you. Where are you from? And I'm like, Philadelphia. He's like, oh, Philadelphia. Great sports fans in Philadelphia. I was like, I know, I'm Mr. Michaels. And I'm just amazed that he's, like, engaging me in conversation. He was That's so cool. cool. And I'm like, I'm like, this is so great. Oh, too bad I didn't get to meet John Madden. So I go to the catering truck, and I'm walking in, and or the catering tent, and I walk in through the flap. And just as I'm walking in, John Madden flips the flap out of the way and – Almost runs right into me. And okay. I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, oh, my God, John Madden. And I go, I didn't. I didn't. I was cool. I was cool. I was like, oh, hey, Mr. Madden. And I'm thinking I just had this great experience with Al Michaels. I want to have that same experience with John Madden. And I go, hey, coach. Everyone calls him coach. Everyone okay. called him coach. I say, hey, coach. I'm Mark Farzetta. I've been your horse trailer guy all season long. And I'll never forget that John Madden looks right at me and just goes, and just walks right by me. Doesn't wait, say, wait, there's wait, no engagement. Say that again? He, he What? <laughs> John Madden just goes, John Madden walks right in and he goes, I go, Mr. Madden, hi, I'm Mark Fortin. And he goes, just walks right by me. <laughs> Jason, you and I both have a friend named Ray Dinger. Yes. Well, Ray, you know Ray, Ray a lot better than I do, but go ahead. Ray, Ray has more football stories potentially with anybody on earth, uh, than anybody on earth. When, at, when, when Ray and I are in the same room, Nine times out of ten, Ray will team me up to tell that story of John Madden totally blowing me off at the Super Bowl. That's a great story, he, man. And then he, then he never did another game after that. I never got a chance to meet him after that. I I got to know Al Michaels. I was on the crew for 11 years. That's cool. Al was great. Al would always talk hockey with me, and he'd be like, hey, what's the deal with Claude Giroux? And I'd be like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he That's always cool. talking so, hockey. So, great guy. So Michaels was a, is a down-to-earth guy then? Al Michaels is the man. I absolutely love that guy. And whenever you saw him out and about around the crew, I bumped into him once at the shops at Liberty Place in oh, wow. Philly. Okay. Ahead of a, a, I think it was a Christmas game that we were doing in Philly. And I bumped into him and, you know, he stopped and just said, oh, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, so, it's nice to see you in your city. That so whole thing. he remembered yeah. you. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he, honestly, one of the best guys you can work with. I, a lot of guys on that crew, just absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I admire your ability to kind of keep your cool when you meet guys like that because you reminded me of a funny story. 1997, 1997, I want to say, um, I'm on a date with the woman who would eventually become my wife, okay? We're at Caesars in Atlantic City, going up an escalator. Who's coming down the other way? Harry Callis. And I, I had never met Harry at that point. Yeah, I was already I was already in radio, but I never met Harry. I did meet him a few times after that, as as you did, and he well he was just a, a, an amazing guy. But 
this is the guy I grew up idolizing. And I just lost it. I'm like, Harry Callis, hey! And he was so cool. He's like, hey, buddy. I mean, it was, he, he, was, <laughs> he was so cool. But, you know, I forget about the fact I'm trying to impress this girl here. And I just, I lost, I don't know why she decided to go out with me again. But I, I totally <laughs> lost it. But he was the nicest guy. But, but it's like, I forgot where I was for a second. And I reverted back to that little kid watching Phillies games who wanted to be an announcer when I grew up. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool, man. I, yeah, it's I, funny you mentioned him because he is one of two people that I was absolutely starstruck. Yeah. He was one of them. He was one of them. And he was so cool and similar experience uh, where I just like didn't know what to say, that type of thing, because it's Harry Cows, right? And then the other one was FBI Special Agent Joe Pistone, also known as Donnie Brasco. Okay. When I met him, that was like two the only two people that I was ever really starstruck by were those two. Those because yeah. and I remember I, I go up to I went up to Joe Pistone. He was at the studio one time and I was like, you know, I was like, Mr. Sp- uh, you know, Mr. Pistone, it's an honor to meet you, sir. I appreciate all you've done and all that stuff. Um, would you mind if I got a picture with you? And he goes, No pictures. <laughs> like I was like, I guess that makes sense. I guess that may, yeah, probably no pictures is probably a good way for you to go. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're, we're lucky enough that we've gotten to talk to a lot of, you know, celebrities, athletes. So, so we don't really get starstruck, but the one time I got starstruck, it, I'm walking, it was 96, the year the all-star game was in Philly. Okay. The baseball all-star game. And they had like a fan fest at the convention center. And as I'm walking out of the fan fest, Walking right by me is Steve Carlton. And I just stood there motionless. Wow. And, you know, and listen, I mean, I, I, was a big Car- I was a big Carlton fan, of course. I, I don't know. He just had this, like, overwhelming presence. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Steve Carlton. And I literally just stood there motionless. And he just walked right wow. by me. So I didn't even say hi to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you froze. You froze. One, you froze, one, Jason. Real quick, I want to ask you one more thing about NBC because yeah. I don't know if you know this about me. But I grew up idolizing Bob Costas. You got to work with Bob Costas. Tell me yeah. what it was like working with him. Is he a good guy? Can you get I him on my absolutely... podcast? <laughs> I I love Bob. Bob um, was so good to me, is so good to me. We still have a texting relationship. I bumped him, bumped into him at a Sixers game maybe three years ago. Um, and he was with his son, Keith, and came over. We just started chatting and catching up and it was, I think I was off the crew for about three years since then. So it was great just to catch up with them. We still text every once in a while, usually That's on Father's awesome. Day. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. And yeah, yeah. And I grew up, my, my brother, to put it in perspective, my brother, he knew I loved broadcasting. And I think it was maybe freshman year of high school. I forget <clears> how old I was, maybe 15, whatever I was. He gave me a CD. Uh, a CD. A CD, okay. Bob Costas doing... A CD of Bob Bob Costas doing a narration of the Miracle on Ice 1980. So it was Bob Costas and Al Michaels. And Al Michaels. On the wow. Same CD. That's a perfect gift for you. So, I, oh my goodness. So exactly. So then Bob's doing the narration and like setting it up, and then it would kick to a, a highlight of Al Michaels talking about you know doing a play by play of the game. So I I would listen to that constantly. So that was Bob Costas to me. I also knew I also loved Bob Costas in the critically acclaimed movie basketball basically yeah. um and <laughs> you remember his so famous line I right you know bob through oh oh i yeah. had him say that line on wip 
and he gave me the backstory to it. I love it. Um, but uh, oh, it's great. It's great. And getting to know him and work with him. Here's what I can say about him. He is phenomenally talented. He has, as everyone knows, he has an incredible memory. He doesn't claim that it's uh, what do you call it? Uh, photographic. photographic memory. Yeah. But the guy can like, yeah, the, the guy can look at a stat, a, a sheet of stats, and then during a game just start popping them out, just one after the other, just remembering the, this guy's batting average with you know with runners in scoring position and two outs, you know, stuff like that. So and listen, he's since, great. He's an oh. Since I brought it up, I guess I guess I have to mention the line. I was hoping you would mention it, but so it was him and Al Michaels in the booth, right? And Al Michaels says, yes. "Al Michaels says, I'm so excited." And he says, "You're excited. Feel these nipples, right? There's something like that's what it was, right?" You're excited. Feel these nipples. There you go. Yes. See, you said yes. it much better than I did. All right. <laughs> well, I'll, let me. I'll give you the. I'll give you the. I'll give you the thing real quick. The uh, the, uh, the the story that Bob told me about that line is that you know the South Park creators said to him, who did the movie, they said, "Bob, just say the line, and if you if you don't like if we don't like it, we won't use it." So. <laughs> Bob tells me the story that he did several takes of saying that line and two things happened. One, not only did they use it, they used it in the in trailer. The trailer yep. <laughs> and then not only did they use it, they used the wrong take according to Bob. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. There, according, according to Bob, there's a better take of him saying it out there that we've never seen. But he says they use the wrong take. So All right. take that for what you, will. What, what you will. I want to give you a quick Bob Costas story. Uh, my, my producer's wrapping me, so I'm going to make this real quick. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm 13, I, I, I could talk to you all night, Mark. I'm telling you. I, I'm 13 years old. My best friend, guy I've been friends with since I was three years old and I just turned 50, okay? My best friend, Frank, his parents took us to a Phillies-Pirates game, and it was a Saturday. It was the NBC game of the week. Bob oh, Costas wow. and Tony Kubek are doing the game. And they always like to get there early and go down front, you know, during batting practice. So we're, I'm standing like right on the edge, like where the box seats were at the vet. And I see Bob Costas walking across the field. And even back then, you know, I knew I wanted to be, as I said back then, I wanted to be an announcer. So I'm like, Bob Costas, hey, hey, Bob, you're a great announcer. And that's exactly what I said. He walks over, he walks towards us, and he, I see him reach into his sport jacket pocket. He takes out a pen. And he tosses the pen. Now, my friend Frank is a lot taller than me. Most people are. So he reaches, <laughs> and he gets the pen. And I'm like, that was for me. He's like, no, that was for... No, he threw that to us. Long story short, he, he lost the pen. And, and I never got the pen. So, Bob, if you, if, you, if you talk to Bob, ask him to send me another pen, okay? I will... <laughs> This is from the desk of Bob Costas. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, one, one thing. One thing I will say about him, and, and people, people don't know this, he's always an announcer. He never, he never stops with the Bob. Like I don't know what you would call it. Like what do you call it in Shakespeare? Like the Shakespearean pentameter, like the beat and the rhythm of how he of how a Shakespeare play is spoken. Yeah. Bob Costas is Bob Costas is always in this rhythm. Like he is always, you know, you're that's, right. That's just how he talks, man. It's and it's the funniest thing to to hear him talk about the weather. Um, is still one of the funniest things I can ever remember to hear. Al Michaels order a meal at a restaurant is one of the things I will never forget in my entire life. Just hearing those voices, isn't it funny? Do the mundane things that we do, yeah. It's it's the little things, but then it's like you, you look back and it's like, wow, I it's been pretty cool. I, I you know my my life does not suck. It, it really it's it's been great. It's been good. All right. <laughs> I can't let you go, Mark. Um, you know what I'm going to ask you. 
I love your Frank Sinatra impression. Impression. I need you to do a quick Frank Sinatra impression before we wrap up. Give me, I don't know, pick pick a song and give me like a couple lines. I, you know what's funny? My daughter is now four years old, and without any pressuring from me, she, I merely introduced her, and she ignored it for months, and then out of nowhere, just asked to hear it. And uh, one of her favorite songs, uh, "Wouldn't You Know It," is. Um, uh, come fly with me. All right, by go Frank for it. Sinatra. And, and it's such a beautiful song, and I'll try my best. Um, I got like a minute. Come fly left. with me. Let's. But, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Full, all right. Okay. I, I don't know enough words for come fly with me then. Uh, fly me to the moon. Let me sing among those stars. <laughs> Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. This, this is fantastic. In other words, Hold my hand. I feel like I, I wish the late great Sid Mark would walk in right now because that was so good. Oh. But listen, I'm going to wrap it up in Sinatra way and say, you know what? You've been doing it your way, and I respect you. I admire you, and I can't thank you enough for doing this today, man. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it, my friend. And um, listen, we got a lot more to talk about, so i got to have you back on, okay? It would be my pleasure, Jason. Uh, appreciate your friendship. Appreciate your uh, always uh, your talent and your professionalism. Back at you, buddy. Uh, per usual, my friend. Thanks. All right, Mark. Thank you. And thank you for watching Episode 2 of the Philly Sports Convo. We'll see you next time. Stay connected with us on social media. Join our Discord community and grab merch from our shop. The Philly Sports Convo is a Blue Eye Visual production.